if you're in our apartments, your challenge is getting tenants. If you're in assisted living, your challenge is getting quality staff. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Justin Burke. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing excellent, man. Well, I'm excited to have you and probably should have had you a long time ago. Uh, because we've been doing some business with each other. And uh, so wanted to bring you on though, and talk to you about kind of what we've been doing in business. So why don't, why don't you just give our listeners a, a bit about your background and then we can just dive in. Sure. Yeah. I uh, have a background in one to four unit residential real estate mostly. Um, so, you know, some residential house flips here and there and uh, one to four unit income producing property and uh, ventured into uh, private wealth management. And so got to uh, get a series three license and learn about things like managed futures and corporate bonds and, but also real estate syndication. And so from there, um, I, I ran into assisted living that way. And um, it kind of turned out that I, I kept venturing down that path. What attracted you to assisted living? You're doing this wealth management and what, what actually attracted you to doing that? Well, the first assisted living deal that I ran into, um, you know, we were raising capital for it. It was a larger ground up. Um, I think it was 92 beds. And um, so, you know, we, we had to study the projects we we're doing and kind of understand to be able to pitch it to investors about why this makes sense and why it's suitable for them. And um, in that process of learning, you know, about that project, I had to learn about assisted living as a whole. And I started discovering there's some opportunity here. And at that time, it was probably, it's probably 2014, maybe. So it was as far as a lot of people who've gotten into the industry lately, you know, it would be considered kind of early in the game um, and things were really taking off at that time. And uh, so I, I became pretty intrigued at that time. Was there, was there certain, like what, what made you intrigued? It, obviously it wasn't, you know, there's, there's all kinds of aspects of real estate, right? So what made you actually intrigued with senior housing versus multifamily versus, um, you know, industrial, some, any, anything else? Yeah. Well, it's probably not unique to me. It's probably, you know, the, the, the whole silver tsunami idea I was introduced at, to at that time, I'm like, yeah, you know, the economics, you can kind of follow the baby boomers through their path and they, they have big effects on the economy where, you know, at whatever stage of life that they're in and this is their next stage coming up. And so that was, you know, initially that just made a lot of sense. And then when you look at, you know, the types of revenue that assisted living facilities bring in that that's another thing that really attracts the eye at first. And so that that'll make you want to dig further. So th those are the two big things that, made me want to start digging into it. Sure. 
and so that was a was that a was that already built or was it being developed? I can't remember. I, I remember you sending me some information, but I, I don't remember much. So, so that one, I don't, I don't, that was, that was, I think before, Oh, even before that I was sent, that was, uh, that wasn't a deal I sent you, but that led to another deal that I've, you know, ran into a year or two later, um, you know, and that one you're talking about was existing. And that's where I really got a deep dive into the financials of an operating assisted living business. And, you know, got to evaluate it alongside a very experienced property manager and I'm dealing with a seller and prospective buyers. And um, I, I could not, what I wanted to do was find out why, how, how is this, what's wrong with this? <laughs> this seems like it's a little too good to be true, right? And coming from residential and Todd, you know, the, the numbers as they compare between assisted living and say apartment buildings, things like that, you, you think there's something wrong with this. And uh, so I'm trying to poke holes in it. And I spent probably a year and a half trying to poke some holes in it. I, there's just none that I could see. <laughs> sure. So then fast forward, like you didn't, you didn't buy your first building immediately. You didn't go, you didn't buy that building. You didn't, you didn't buy one immediately, but the first one that you bought was right during COVID, during a pandemic. Um, what the heck were you thinking? And why did you convince me? Right. <laughs> Isn't that the first thing that you said to me when I called you is what the heck are you thinking? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I everything that I had looked at and, and was more comfortable with was in larger metropolitan areas, right? So, you know, and, and being in the Twin Cities, so it just makes you feel better. There's a lot more people around. There's a lot, it's a lot bigger pool of potential clients or residents. And, but um, I ran into an investor in the process of evaluating properties and looking at a few other deals. I ran into an investor who was doing only deals outside of the Metro. So we had coffee and I, you know, we talked about why is that? Why would you do that? And, and he wouldn't look at the deal that I thought was nearly too good to be true inside the Metro. He said, I, that those, that's way too tight for me. He's like the numbers on the deals that we're doing outside the Metro blow this thing out of the water. Hmm. So I was intrigued by that. Hey, real quick, I want to talk to you about the North Star Real Estate Conference. We've got the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's the third annual. Of course, we're back live this year after taking a one-year hiatus and being virtual. We're live. We've got live and virtual options for you. So I'd love to see you there. North Star Real Estate Conference. It's all about cash flowing real estate. So we're going to be hitting on multifamily. We're going to be hitting on all things commercial. Uh, we'll be talking about syndications, asset management, all of that stuff that you're going to need to know and the mindset behind it. We've got a great lineup of speakers. So go on to northstarunlimited.live. Buy your tickets now. Um, I want to see you there. I want to network with you. I want to shake your hand. I want to get to know you. And we've got a ton of people that are going to be there wanting to do the same thing. So join us, North Star Real Estate Conference, October 7th and 8th. Uh, and it is in the Twin Cities at Mystic Lake 
casino. So I hope to see you there. Um, I ended up coming across a few other, uh, you know, through some brokerage relationships and things like that. I uh, came across, well, I came across these deals uh, that we started with and it was, you know, just as he had said, outside the Metro, there's, you know, uh, lower, lower payroll costs and you have the same, right? Because a good portion of your residents are on uh, publicly funded programs. And the pay rates don't differ that much outside of the metro as far as inside of the metro, but your expenses are a lot lower. Right. And so I thought, well, that makes a ton of sense as well. And so I'm looking at this and um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the pandemic creates some opportunity and I, I feel good about those, those shakeup kind of situations about taking action in those you know, environment, economic environments changing and people are scared and things like that. It always takes, it always creates opportunity. And I want to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, I look at the last time I was able to take advantage of an opportunity and that was during the great recession when real estate mm -hmm. crashed, when real estate had a, a big problem and everybody was running the other way. And I, and instead I was able to run into the fire and a lot of it was just cause I was naive. I didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> And, but, but now I, I look at the same thing and very similar things happen. You know, it's, we're, we're not seeing a, a crash, right? We're not being able no. to buy. It's these, not to the level of 2000. It's, it's not, it's not nearly, uh, you know, we're not able to buy these properties for, you know, 10 cents on the dollar, but we are seeing discounts. We are seeing pretty substantial discounts, uh, which is definitely beneficial. But there are some risks involved as well. And so mm -hmm. I think that's important for people to understand that it's, it's not just, you know, I, I, when you look at the numbers, you go, wow, these are really good. But what we're finding out is that it's not simple, right? It's, it's, a, right. it's definitely a more involved business. And there's, there's some things to really be looking out for. Let's talk about some things to really kind of be looking out for or things that can really hurt uh, your overall bottom line on the properties. Yeah. Um, one of, I think the very first thing being a real estate guy that's moving into assisted living. Um, and this seems to be, this is pretty common now because a lot of people in the last five years started to see what I saw. And uh, there's a lot of, a lot of real estate people, you know, searching a lot of real estate uh, money that's searching for yield that's found this space. Yep. But uh, what the ones who fail seem to not understand is that this is not residential real estate. You can't treat assisted living like apartments. You're not just renting rooms. What you are is you're, you're taking care of people who need, this is, you know, this is a healthcare business is what it is. You know, so yeah, you, you know, the number of rooms in your building you know, determines revenues and things like that. But overall, what you're doing is you're providing, you're a healthcare provider. And if, if you don't understand that, and if you don't understand, so then, and these are a couple of things that I learned, right? Taking time to evaluate deals first before doing a deal. And I'm glad I learned it before we got in, but the, the biggest, um, you know, with the COVID situation, it's a little harder to get 
um, residents right now. If you're smaller and if you're quality and have a good reputation, it's not as hard um, to get residents. But the the bigger um, challenge, I guess, right? If you're if you're in apartments, your challenge is getting tenants. If you're in assisted living, your challenge is getting quality staff. That's your number one deal. And, and that's, you've got to make that mindset switch and you've got to be able to manage and lead a staff because uh, you can take a quality staff with poor leadership and now they're bad staff. Yeah. And that, that's definitely something we've been look been finding out, right? It is, and you can have, you got a lot of staff who are a team who becomes a, uh, I don't know how, how to state it, kind of they become lazy. They become uh, so focused on these you know, one little areas that they don't want to do anything else. They're, they're not necessarily there for the reason they maybe should be there, right? I mean, the younger generation, one of the cool things about the younger generation is they typically care about how the impact they're making. Mm-hmm. Well, but if you have a, bad team altogether nobody cares about the impact you're making and and that's i think that's something we've found as we've taken over some properties is some of that atmosphere is not there but that's that's i didn't realize when we first started in this business how important the team was that's on site especially and how important the leadership is i mean i knew it was important but just really diving in and like getting into these properties. It's like, holy cow, like this is, that's what's going to make or break your buildings. Your residents will come if you've got good staff. But if you've got a poor team and a poor staff and a poor reputation, your residents aren't showing up. And so exactly going to sink quickly. And and you know what is probably twice the effect if you're in, you know, when you're in these small communities, your reputation sticks for longer and it gets out faster. Yeah. Um, and if you're given a poor level of care because you have staff who don't care because they're poorly led, right? It always rolls back up to the top. And if they're poorly led, they give a poor level of care. If residents are getting a poor level of care, eventually the families find out about that too. And I mean, it gets out. And yeah. even more importantly, right? We saw it gets on Google. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. It, then it sticks. I want one of the reviews on a property uh, we we had purchased. It said something about if you're looking for a great place to send your loved ones to die, mm. this is it. Do you remember that? Uh, I think it was I do. a Google review. And we just got rid of that. We got the last donor to shut down the Google page, so it's not there anymore. <laughs> that's good because that's a terrible review. I mean, talk about yeah. the worst review you could possibly have. This is the place you go send your loved ones to die. And it's not and, like there was like 50 good reviews accompanying that. Right. There was no good reviews. There was, there was no only good that. Reviews. Yeah. Talk about that. And, and what, like, let's, let's just talk about what were the problems with that building. And there, there was a lot, but let's just talk about what were the yeah. problems with that building. We were able to, to get it for a great price, but the great price came with some, some issues, a lot of issues, quite frankly. And yeah. that's why the price was what the price 
was. So let's talk about some of those things, um, you know, that were going on. Yeah, it seemed to be not that uncommon of a problem, um, especially, you know, it was run by a larger company and it was really just top heavy, right? It would be, if you were to say, describe it as quickly as possible, they're very top heavy. Yeah, and, well, and, and uh, the other thing too, the large company that was running, it did not fit their focus, right? It, it just, mm-hmm. th- this was a kind of an anomaly. This was all on its own. It wasn't really with where they focused. So that, you got to preface it with that too. I mean, that yeah, one, it was fact, not their focus. Right, and it's, they had acquired a smaller company who that property was even an anomaly for them. Yeah. And, but that it's just kind of the redheaded stepchild that came with acquiring that smaller company. So they're stuck with this little thing up there and they're operating it under the same, you know, processes that they're using for, you know, 100, 200 bed facilities. And this is 30. Um, And so that just, just a very corporate environment, but just you know, and it had some dysfunction, lack of accountability, right? Because of the geographic separation and, um, you know, attitude wise, you know, I think it's attitudes top to bottom of, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the office and I'm, I have a big title. I have an executive title and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, bothered with this it's kind of i need to feel important about myself and then you know on down the chain but half the people at the building are are administrative and you know they're not doing the actual work of caring for residents and there's just not the administrative work for that many people to do but they're still there collecting a paycheck um so you know whereas and so we're converting it to our model which is a lot more efficient you know, a lot thinner where if you're on the clock and it needs to be done, it's your job. (laughs) So, you know, it's really that simple. So we don't, we're moving away from, you know, they had dedicated kitchen staff and they had multiple, uh, you know, they had three full-time nurses on staff and that were there every day, full-time. And you just, along with, you know, multiple, you know, I think they had two full-time administrative staff that were there in addition to that. And, um, and it was just a mess. And then you had uh, employees, you know, floor workers refusing to take care of certain residents. So it's a culture they had created there. And, you know, a culture of, a culture of finger pointing and lack of personal responsibility and lack of ownership of the mission, right? So that that's what we're pushing is our mission is to add life to the years of our residents. And everybody on our staff owns that mission. They own it. So if it needs to be done, if we have everybody own what needs to be done, everyone just jumps in and do, does it. But it's that ownership of the mission that, and that, that doesn't matter what business you're in or what team you're on. So that's got to, that's number one. What's the mission? And everybody owns it. Justin, it's funny when you said the mission statement. I was just thinking of the property we were at the other day when we look on the wall, and the mission <laughs> statement was like three paragraphs long. Um, and, and but state the mission statement again. 
our, our mission is to add years at well it's yeah. easy to say it wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> our mission is add life to the years of our residents yeah and and it's easy for everybody to remember that and so as we press upon the staff to make sure they're following through with that mission it's not that they have to recite a three-page document right all they need to do is remember just a short sentence. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important when we're talking about mission statements. And I think when you have staff, you need to have a strong mission statement that's simple, it's concise, and it's very easy for us to understand exactly what we're trying to do. And that mm-hmm. mission statement is all about the residents. It doesn't say anything about anybody else that talks about what we're trying to do with the residents. And that's what we're, that's what they're there to do is to serve those residents. And so what can you do to serve the residents? That means you need to step up. Right. That means you need to step up when a resident needs help, whether they're your favorite resident or their least favorite resident, you need to step up to help them. If we need help in the kitchen, well, these residents need to eat, right? They Mm -hmm. need good food. So go to the kitchen, help out in the kitchen. And I feel like, you know, obviously things are still progressing, but it, it seems like people are taking ownership that people are, you know, starting to make those changes and the right people are the ones that stick around. And you and I have that same philosophy of that is it's not like we're going to be, we're going through there and just bowling a China shop, just mixing everything up and firing everybody involved. But we are trying to naturally kind of weed out the people that shouldn't exist in that environment and continue to keep those who do want that type of environment, who do believe in the mission statement and are truly there to serve the residents and the people that aren't there to serve the residents are going to naturally just kind of leave. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, that's what we want. And that anytime you're going to change a culture, that's what's going to happen, right? Is the people who aren't going to fit and, and people, there might be people who don't fit now who have the capacity to make the adjustments to fit into a culture but the people who just aren't going to fit, they're generally going to leave on their own. You, yeah. you usually don't have to tell them to leave. They, they grow very unhappy. Um, but it, it's, it's not easy because, you know, and especially I was thinking maybe we should back up a half step to say that if, if that was our first acquisition, I, I think we would have not done any more and that one would have failed. I, I don't think we would have made we wouldn't be able to make it work if that was our very first property. Yeah. It would, fact- would have been a lot different. Wouldn't it, right. I, yeah. I, we have, we have some amazing support staff right now that mm-hmm. are coming from outside of this building and coming in and doing a lot of amazing work uh, within. Yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. We bought two buildings that again, even, even those though, when you look at that, there was, there was some of that. It's funny the the staff, we do these interviews, right. With these staff before we purchase the buildings. And I would say the vast majority of them want the same thing. The vast majority of them really truly do. They want to take care of the residents. They, but, but, and they want accountability. Like they all want the same thing and they're all like, say the same thing. You like you just the few that don't say the same thing, you know, okay. They're, they're maybe that's maybe the one. Well, nobody the takes a job at one of these places just for the paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You have to do some stuff that most people aren't willing to do. Yeah. You can't, you can get a paycheck at, 
at easier jobs than this. So you have to care about the people. You have to feel like, hey, I'm doing something important. And you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just funny that the environment, but um, that you the majority of the people that are there truly care. Like, I feel, I feel like that, that is the truth. Um, even when you had a bad environment now, it's just, okay, how do we make everybody accountable? I think that's a big thing, right? Making everybody yeah. accountable. How do we make everybody accountable? How do we make everybody follow you know, follow and believe in the mission? Um, mm-hmm. and, and how do we be good leaders to these people? So they know, um, their expectations, they feel accomplished, at the end of the day, uh, that, that's been so valuable. Yeah, I can't, I, I agree though. If we would have bought this as our first one, if we wouldn't have had the right, because there's some great people in place, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But some of the leadership, that that was where it was probably lacking the most. There's there's maybe yeah. some some leaders, but there's <laughs> there was some definite need there. Yeah. And I mean, you could just see it in their numbers. I mean, it was just a nosedive. And so, you know, this is not an uptrending, you know, income, <laughs> income base. And so, yeah, we, we definitely, I think we have a good enough broker where he would not have let us do this as our first deal. But uh, I, I think that was, there, there are so many blessings in the first deal that we did do in, in the staff that we got. Well, mainly in the staff that we get, incredible staff, and um, not that they don't have any problems, but we we were really, you know, we knew we were looking for this is something that's turnkey, right? And we emphasize that in the process of negotiating. This is our first deal. It has to be turnkey. If this is going to require us to step in, especially in the day-to-day, we don't want it. And so, it did, I mean, we, but we got I mean, we got a few real rock stars uh, as far as staffing goes, and uh, you know who's you know who is now we we have our now regional director um, along with a couple other people, and, and we had a nurse in this group that was just sitting on the sidelines, not being used. So now, when we have this new property that's uh, about an hour away, she's ready to go, ready to jump in the game, which is amazing. I mean, that's like a bonus we didn't know we had. And so we're able to staff it with a, you know, with a nurse that's from our culture and, and buys in. And we have a regional director that's on site regularly helping with the transition. You know, we got rid of most of the cancerous staff before we even closed. (laughs) And, uh, you know, later on, we found out just a couple more weeded, weeded themselves out and we feel like, now I think I think we have our people. Yep, now I yep. think we have all the right people. Yeah, probably yep. need a few more. Yeah, <laughs> might need a few more, but you know this the the again it's the environment, the accountability is a lot of that's changed now, and I, I just think it was it was it was really interesting because it was you could tell it was more the institutional um, feel mm. like we said earlier. It's like you if you were a floor worker, you did just specific things and you wouldn't go, you wouldn't think about doing a load of laundry. You wouldn't think about 
uh, cooking, and going to yeah. even stepping into the kitchen, making breakfast for someone. Yeah. You, you wouldn't think about doing something like that, and so it's just a changing of those that environment. Let's talk about um, how you have specifically done things because I think that's really valuable. You hold weekly meetings, um, actually two now. Bi-weekly now, yeah. Yep. So let's let's talk about those. Just kind of briefly describe how you lead those meetings and what you're bringing to them that you feel has, has been working. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as leadership structure, my main communication is with our regional director um, who I, I try to drive the drive a culture through her. Um, and she's a hundred percent in, you know, both feet and she gets it. And so she's, and she already has the respect of, I, I don't know anybody who works for us who doesn't absolutely love her. And she's just naturally gifted as a leader. So that's, we're incredibly blessed to get her. So I try to drive the culture through her. Um, you know, she's on board. She has much more consistent communication with our staff than I do. Um, but, you know, between me and, and the leadership staff. So we have, you know, a regional director, and then we have each house has a house has a coordinator, right? So that, that's, otherwise it's pretty flat. It's pretty flat other than our nurses. So we have, you know, our house coordinators and our nurses. Um, we try to keep it decently flat, right? Because the more, the more hierarchy we have, the more we're going to get overextended. But, um, you know, there has to be some kind of structure. So we hold a weekly, a biweekly meeting, you know, Monday and Thursday with that leadership staff. And what we want is to, you know, we want to find out, you know, keep tabs on what's going on. What are the problems we're dealing with? What are the successes we're having? But also be able to cover, you know, we have, we have seven attributes that are essential to anyone who's on a part of our team. And so we, we go through, you know, there, there are things like that extreme ownership and resourcefulness. And, uh, you know, we go through the whole list of them. We usually go through one uh for a while we went through one at every meeting and we kind of reinforce it with a video and um and then they hold uh daily short little 15 minutes at shift change so we have the most possible people there so they hold stand-up meetings um with all the staff that's there at the moment and then they reinforce those attributes with with that staff so it's, a, but the regular community, right? We found out like, that's not always the, the communication between leadership and the boots on the ground. Um, a lot of times that's not there at all, or it's, it's just very right. lacking. Yeah. Yeah. What are the seven attributes? Our seven attributes are number one is extreme ownership. Uh, we own it, right? We own our, everyone owns a mission. Number two is resourcefulness. Number three is you got to have a big why. You have to have a deep love for why we do what we do. Uh, four is growth. Five is an obsessive commitment to excellence. Uh, number six is reliability. We made sure and put that one in there, right? I think the first time we interviewed staff, that was the biggest problem that they had was people not showing up for shifts. Um, and number seven was at, uh, gratitude, recognizing the gifts you've been given. That's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. 
Um, okay. I'm sure we could cover a lot more. We're probably going to have to do a, a, another podcast episode, but just for, just for time, I want to make sure we we're wrapping up. So, cause I think a large portion of my audience listens to this, like on a drive. So oh, yeah. we, we can't go too long. Um, <laughs> although I, yeah, sometimes I feel like we should just keep on talking. Uh, I get some guests where I'm like, I gotta keep going for a long time. Right. I want to ask you a couple questions. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, what, what's a, what's a book, a favorite book, business, um, real estate, <laughs> whatever that you can give to our listeners? Hmm. Man, now I have a list and I have to pick out of a Just list. One. Just one. Maybe two. I would say, I mean, across a number of areas, I, w- I would say never split to difference. Oh, I like that one. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that's, we're, we're kind of using that stuff right now with our staff, uh, empathy training. So it actually empathy skills, not just like being empathetic and understanding what empathy is, but having skills that you can use that demonstrate empathy and build trust with people is applicable across the spectrum of all the things that you do in life. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, Okay. So what are your three pillars of wealth creation then? Three pillars of wealth creation. I mean, start with passive income, uh, reliable, reoccur- maybe, maybe reliable reoccurring income. I'll say passive income is, I guess, somewhat of a myth. <laughs> Any income, if you leave it and forget about it, it's going to go away. But uh, so reliable recurring income in uh, being a lifelong learner. And um, ha- having having a purpose or clarity on your goals. I like that first one that you you said that passive income is just that's not true. Like you can't have passive income. You have to do something. Like you, you're going yeah. to, you know, even even the people that passively invest in our syndications, they. <laughs> aren't 100% passive. They're pretty close, right? Yeah. They are vetting my deals. They're vetting myself. They're making yeah. sure that they, you know, that they actually want to invest. Um, they hopefully, and it depends on the person, right? Everybody's, but they're typically reviewing some statements here and there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, so they're, they're doing more than just nothing. Uh, right. For getting the deals. Now they're pretty passive, but yeah. It can be misleading. Some people can think like, oh, good, I can lay on a beach and forget about it and just collect checks. Like that doesn't exist. Yeah. So I thought it, I thought it did for a while, but it doesn't. <laughs> Not if you want to be successful, at least. No, no. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Justin, uh, and I've got, you're, you're going to be at the North Star Real Estate Conference too, mm-hmm. along with Mark, who's a property manager in the assisted living. So we're going to do like a fireside chat, just just talk, just ask questions. Uh, the guests, all, all the people in the audience are going to be able to ask questions. I'm just going to probably lead it. We're just going to sit down. We're just going to talk and be honest and open about what senior housing is all about, what the need is. There's a big, big need. Uh, as you already mentioned, the baby boomer generation is just coming, right? And they're not even, they're not really even in it much yet, mm. right? The, uh, the, We're taking care of the silent generation right, right. now. Yeah, exactly. The average age of our residents, what, like 80 in the in their 80s? 83 is generally, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so the baby boomers are the oldest, oldest baby boomers are like 74 years old, 75. Mm-hmm. They're not even, you know, a couple of them are there. 
but most mostly no. Right. And right. so, yeah, like you said, we're taking care of the silent generation right now. That mm-hmm. baby boomer, that wave is coming. And so yeah. there's a lot there. And when you talk about rural com- communities, I actually uh, have the, sati- the, the statistic that over 50% of the baby boomers live in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So that's a big population. Uh, right. Boomer generation is a really big generation. Half of them are living in the rural communities. And so rural areas aren't necessarily a bad thing uh, as well. There's a lot of opportunity there. So anybody who wants to get involved in assisted living, I'd, I'd come to the conference, meet Justin, uh, meet Mark. You could, uh, there's a lot of questions to ask. And you got to make sure it's the right industry for you. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is, there's definitely opportunity there. And there's a lot to learn. Um, so I yeah, mm-hmm. you got a promo code. It's called, it's Burke, B-U-R-K-E. Um, so people can type that in. They can get a discount. Man, Perfect. I really appreciate you uh, joining us. How can our listeners get in touch with you? They want to learn more. They want to, they want to passively invest. Uh, they just want to reach out and chat. How can they, how can they learn more? Uh, they can get a hold of me. I, I would uh, feel free to send me a text. Okay. Right, my, my direct number you can text is six five one three three five one five eight six, and awesome. uh, yeah, I'll I'll usually respond to those. Okay, don't don't spam him, please. Okay, if you no, spam him, he's not going to respond. He's just going to yeah, identify yourself. Give hey, me Justin, name. I yeah. I listened to you on the Pillars of Wealth podcast. Yeah. Like that's a good introduction, right? I right. get some people that intro like they they send me something and I'm like, who the heck is this person? <laughs> don't just send me a question with yeah. no, <laughs> no, identify yourself, please. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, you have a uh, great rest of the day. Talk hey, to you, you too. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.